The following episode was recorded live on YouTube for Adulting.TV Live. Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at Adulting.TV. Welcome to Adulting. I'm Harlan Landis, and I'm here, as always, with Miranda Marquette. How are you, Miranda? I am doing well, and even more well, because you're just down the hall in a different room. It's always fun when we get to do things in person. Yeah, that always makes things a lot more enjoyable. And our guest today is Lynette Davis. Lynette Davis is a mental health advocate, a writer, and a web series host. Welcome to the show, Lynette. Hi, Harlan. So we're going to talk today about mental health, uh, since you are such a strong advocate. Tell us a little bit about your advocacy. Sure. So I guess I'll back up a little bit. Before I became a business owner, I used to work in the field of social work. And I worked as a behavioral assistant, as well as an aide to um, CADC, which is a certified alcohol and drug counselor in which I used to have to drive drug addicts and alcoholics to rehab a lot. That was really fun. (laughs) And when I started my business, it was very much so not in line with what I used to do. And I felt compelling to still be in that field, still doing what I could to advocate to destigmatize those who may have had that past, but they turned a new leaf, you know, turned a new page in their book, and they were being discriminated against because of that past. And I wanted to advocate for those people just in a new, I would say a new realm, because when I became a business owner, I saw a need for advocacy for business owners as well. So my advocacy has just kind of grown from helping people who used to be addicts to now helping people who sometimes are addicted to work. (laughs) (laughs) So what kind of discrimination do people face as business owners? I'll give you an example. For instance, women, especially maybe in like the startup industry, they might have come to VCs with like brilliant ideas However, they won't get the same capital. You know, they won't get the same funding for their ideas that a man might. Imagine being a woman who comes up with these brilliant ideas. You might develop an app or you come up with a startup and nobody's kind of vouching for you. Nobody's giving you the funding to take your dream, your vision to the next level. So that gets kind of depressing. They have to fight really hard to get that funding and it's tiring. You know, you get anxiety you get depressed. So, you know, that's one of the first examples that I can think of that's kind of clear cut about discrimination. In that instance, it's it's unfair practices because you are a woman compared to being a man. So you say that uh, some of this discrimination will cause anxiety and depression. Since we're talking about mental health, you know, it seems like that'll just create a cycle over and over because how how are people with anxiety and depression discriminated against? Um, I imagine it's, you know, it's difficult for them as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, sometimes I, I used to ask, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg when it comes to anxiety and depression, you know, which comes first, 
Do they have the anxiety of going to go get funding? Do you get depression because you don't get the funding? And then you already come to the table with it. So it's really interesting that you said it was a cycle because in, in, in many cases it is. If you already have a history of depression and anxiety and then you're entering a realm, this business realm, which basically <laughs> you can get triggered left and right, then it aggravates your anxiety and depression. How do business owners or founders or, or anybody else who's an entrepreneur, how do they cope with depression and anxiety in a way that's going to allow them to, to function? What I have been learning through my research, which I have been for the past two years interviewing women business owners and a few men to give me some insight about how they are coping with their mental health issues. And what I find is that the majority of them have so many different methods, but the one thing that they all had in common was that they had a strong support system. And that support system included people who accepted them for who they are, not so much what they could do. That's a tough thing in this business world, especially the more financially successful you are. You're not exactly sure who's in your corner because of the success that you have versus somebody who's in your corner because they care about you, they love you, and they want to see you succeed. So a lot of them said that they have a strong support system, people who accept them for who they are, people who are going to be there when they need to call someone to just reach out, to talk to them, to hold space for them when they are triggered. And so many different things can trigger somebody. You know, it could be a bad phone call that they had with a potential client that just didn't go to their expectation of how they should present themselves. Could be a holiday is coming up and they may have lost a friend to suicide a fellow entrepreneur, which that was the case in some of the the stories, the narratives that I've heard, whereas some of the colleagues who were also entrepreneurs had died by suicide. And so around that time, they would be triggered from memories of the friendship that they used to share. So just having a support system is so huge. The other thing that's really important for coping skills as business owners is other business owners not being afraid to come out to speak their truth so that it becomes normalized that it's acceptable to reach out to say what's really going on, you know, stop the whole faking it till you make it and tell people that you can trust. Like, you know what? I'm not okay right now. I'm not okay. I need help. I need recommendations for a great psychologist. You know, they might have been burnt from the last person that they were referred to or went to. So when you are able to reach out to a pool of people who have different resources and different tools, that's really important. That helps save a life, honestly. How do we get to that point? Because so much in our society is against asking for help. And then also there's a very real stigma associated with any of this mental health stuff. And so how do we get to that point where we feel like we can ask for that help ourselves or, you know, provide that for somebody else? Here's the thing. And that's why I say that mental health, especially nowadays, mental health for entrepreneurs and business owners is a movement and it's going to be a process. 
One of the biggest things about stigma is that stigma is correlated to shame. So until we learn to build shame resilience plans within our work cultures, it's going to be tough. It starts with leadership, leadership into their executive team and down to the employees. If you're a solopreneur, then it's mainly you. It's you. It's the contractors that you bring on. So opening the pathway to shame resilience, because with shame resilience in place, we can begin to destigmatize things. When we stigmatize things, we are trying to move away from it because it may trigger us. And so we try to shame and blame people into submission with our views. And that view might be to say, oh, no, you have a mental health disorder. Shame, 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 bad. You can't do this. Or why should we give you this funding? Or why should I work with you? So it's a root cause kind of thing that we have to address individually as well as culturally in the workplace. It's going to take work. But if we can educate one another, and that does start off with people being courageous to speak out and tell their stories, especially people who are influential. Nowadays, we have more and more media stars who are coming out. There's rappers. Just not too long ago, Lady Gaga um, aligned with, I believe, Prince William, and they were doing a campaign. So we, we get more of that. People begin to open up the floor to begin speaking on this topic, normalizing it. And then we take root from there. We grow. We grow from there. So what happens when we do normalize or at least open up the potential for more understanding about mental health issues like anxiety and depression and allow for people to be more sympathetic or more understanding? How how do those who have the um, anxiety and depression, how, how, how does that help them thrive? When you are able to be in a space, and I'll just make it so like we're talking about a space, a safe space. If you're in a safe space, meaning that space is a place where people will look at you and they non-judgmentally accept you for who you are and where you are at that time. When you do that, you now have creative freedom to be who you are, to feel empowered, to be the best, the best, most authentic version of yourself. And when you are able to do that, honestly, you can move mountains. If you're raised somewhere and all throughout your life, you're being told you're not going to amount to anything. You're never going to be successful. That weighs on you. It weighs on you like a ton. It becomes baggage as an individual. And you take that into the business world with you. If you're raised to believe that you'll never amount to anything, that's mindset that you take into your business with you. And so if on the other hand, if you're raised to be empowered to go, you know what? I know that you have this mental health issue. I know that you might have this disorder or this illness, but it's not completely who you are. It's a part of your story, but it's not all of who you are. And I believe in you. I believe that you can make it. I believe that what you want to do can happen. Then you're going to take action to make your dreams come true. There's a big difference. So that's what creating this kind of environment will do. 
It'll help you be more productive. It'll help you be more creative. And creativity breeds innovation. And that's what we are doing as business owners, as entrepreneurs. We're innovating. We're trying to, some of us, change the world. We can do that a whole lot better if we feel empowered to breathe, to be, to simply be. And that's and it kind of ties into what's kind of trending now, which is mindfulness. But really, mindfulness is about awareness and about being, not having to do, not having to people, please. It's about being who you are, being the most authentic version of yourself, seeing yourself non-judgmentally, seeing others non-judgmentally so that we can truly step into the greatness that we really are and believe that we are that. So when you speak your truth and and allow yourself to be authentic, do you find that it draws those who will support you towards you? Um, Because it seems like part of the extension of why mental health disorders are just so disabling uh, seems to be that it's difficult for people to find that support. But perhaps speaking out and being honest and presenting yourself as you know with with the anxiety and depression or whatever other mental health disorders or issues there are as a part of your story will draw people towards you who do understand and will provide you with at least some of the moral support that you need going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's one of the things that happens when you come out and I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say, you're not going to attract people who are going to be like, Oh, you know, put the little, cross up with your with their fingers like cooties but there will be more people because the truth is a lot of people have experienced at the very least depression even if it wasn't directly them they have somebody in their lives that depression has touched when people speak out and speak their truth when they're authentic they're going to attract their tribe they're going to attract people who want to be in their corner because they want to they want to come out and be authentic too you know and sometimes it is it's kind of and I'm going to paraphrase it kind of like that Marion Williamson quote where when you act out when you stand up to be this amazing you this authentic version of yourself you give other people permission to do the same you are what you're waiting for and i truly believe that So when you step out, you get to be what you have been waiting for. And somebody, it's a ripple effect. Somebody sees that you stepped out and they now want to have the courage to do the same. Like attracts like. So how do you fight the urge as an entrepreneur, someone who has to reflect an image all of the time? um, They have to be on. Uh, That is very stressful for somebody who feels that their on persona is not their true persona and they are hiding other thoughts that are just different than the persona that they feel that they have to be in order to be successful in their business. How do you fight against that? How do you break through the barrier and reveal your true self without feeling like it's going to change the image of your business? Somebody kind of asked a question like that to Marie Forleo, and she did a video about it. Here's what I have learned. In the beginning, when you first get courage, and, and I'll give myself as an example. For me, it was easy for me to come out because of my background. However, when I was first advocating, people knew that I used to be 
in social services. You know, I used to do social work and everything. So they only thought of me that way. And I said, well, no, actually, I have a history of mental health issues myself. So I'm not just advocating because I want to advocate and that used to be my job. I'm advocating as a peer. I'm one of you. We're in this together. And what I did was I started out with people who I trusted, people who I knew respected my boundaries. And that is a risk that you take. But you start off already building those relationships long before, you know, work and business. So you start off there with people you feel safe with. And then you go and you reach out to people who are already doing this. And there are people out there already doing it. There are sites like The Mighty. There are people who have hashtags that say, you know, no stigma. So people are already out there. There's groups like NAMI, which is a huge advocacy support group. You find the people who where you can go and speak your truth and they're going to accept you already until you then are ready. If, if it's for you to go and step out in a bigger way. And you might do that by doing a blog like, hey, you know, you all think I'm making all this money and everything. But here's the truth. Behind the scenes, sometimes I'm really stressed out. Sometimes I have to reach out. Yeah, I'm seeing a therapist or yeah, I might be needing a vacation or stepping away from my business for a little bit because things are kind of going out of control for me. It is what it is. The people who you already have there as your support, they're going to have your back and you turn to them and you build up your resilience support system before you do that. When I decided to write my book that'll be coming out, I knew that I was going to get criticism, whether that be positive or negative. So long before I finally said, "Okay, I'm going to put this book out into the universe. I already began building up my support team. I already know who I'm going to turn to if I get a, you suck, your book stinks, (laughs) or I'm so mad you wrote this topic, it's triggering me. That's my anxiety. You know, I have the anxiety that people are going to react that way. Like, how dare you write a book about suicide? So I had to build my support team. And that can include a therapist. That could include old colleagues that I used to work with in the social work field. That includes my mom, <laughs> my friends, my, my other fellow business owners who have already come out to me individually and say, yes, me too. Me too. I, I have depression too. I'm so glad you said it. <laughs> now I know who I can turn to. So you start, you start where you are and you work your way up. That's the same thing. It's the same principle that applies to anything. You start where you are, and when you know better, you do better. So I think uh, everybody feels feels stressed sometimes, especially business owners and entrepreneurs and startup uh, owners and and all all those different types of people who are just highly driven. Stress is normal. Even feeling sad once in a while is normal. How do you know when... What you have goes beyond the typical ups and downs of life and is anxiety and depression. One of the things that you could do, especially if you're still in research mode, is I believe Psych Central has 
quite a few self-assessments there where it's kind of an online self-assessment where you can do a test to see whether or not it's worth it to go to a doctor. And typically, I would say if you are in a pickle and it's lasting more than a few days, then it's time to go see a doctor so that you can get properly assessed. A lot of people turn to things like WebMD and they self-diagnose themselves. And I think that's a good thing to educate yourself. But at the end of the day, if you're highly suspect, you're suspicious that that might be the case. And like I said, you can go to like Psych Central where they have self-assessments and do that. Print it out, print out your results and take it with you to your doctor or to if you're going to go directly to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, then take those results with you and go, hey, I haven't been feeling well. I've been really stressed, but this stress has plummeted to the point where I have been curled up in my corner at night, cradling myself. And that's not normal. That's not right. I am beyond my capacity to cope. And I think that's that's another way of looking at it. When you are beyond your capacity to cope, it's time to reach out and seek help. And you'll know that by the fact that after a couple of days, if you're not back to your normal self and you, you're just not getting along. You're not bouncing back like you, you, you normally do. That means you're, the coping skills that you have may not be enough for that particular triggering circumstance. And it might be time for you to go get some more resources and tools to build up your coping skills. And that's how you build resilience. In addition to coping with the anxiety and depression, you're coping with the discrimination that you face because of that. So beyond, you know, seeking out the help that you need in the form of a support system, you know, what else can you do to cope with the discrimination that you face? There's a lot of different things that are, are happening right now. One of the things is to find yourself with people, with other women who are talking about these things too. Because one of the things that I've realized, and and it's a term that people typically use when they're talking about narcissism, but we'll we'll apply the term to this. And I believe it's called gaslighting, where you say things and people kind of do a, and I'm I'm kind of, hopefully people will get the reference. There was an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants imagination with a rainbow (laughs) and that's kind of what's happening right now they're going you know i'm feeling this way and they're like no no you're no you're not there's there's no discrimination and i'm like but i'm looking at the stats and they're like nope nope it's fair so one of the things to do is one to be educated so that you know that you're not you know tripping basically um (laughs) like no i i know i'm legit i'm not going out of my mind in this instance. And that's finding the education to support that. And then finding your tribe of people who are dealing with it as well. So one of the things that I do through my initiative, which is called Love Yourself, Love Your Business, is I host different events. So one of the events that I've done, and it was a beta, and I'm going to expound, you know, I'm going to expand it. Um, was called the Emotional Liberation Fellowship for Women. And what it basically was, was a healing circle. At that time, it was after 
a lot of different things, a lot of social injustices were happening. And a lot of women and moms were being very scared for their sons. They were being very paranoid. They, they had a lot of anxious thoughts um, about their future, about the future of their children. And that was one of the things that I did. I gathered some old colleagues, some mentors who were psychologists, licensed clinical social workers, other mental health advocacies. And we built a circle. We fed everybody. <laughs> we educated them, gave them resources, different types of resources. There's apps as well that will allow people to monitor their emotions there's apps that will connect you to professionals. Um, I think there's one app called, I'm trying to remember it. I think it's called Seven, Seven Cups, which a, another person who saw the issue with mental, yeah, seven, I think Seven Cups of Tea or something like that. Um, yeah, Seven Cups is like an online therapy app where you get to touch base with people anonymously. And they have trained listeners. So, you know, just in case you don't want to go out into a circle like my, you know, like the Emotional Liberation Fellowship, you can tune to things like Seven Cups, sevencups.com, which is an anonymous chat line. So that like there's things like that where you can you can still get support. You can have somebody listen to you. You can go to these healing circles to know that you're not alone. You're not alone in your thoughts. You're not in, alone in your feelings. And you can get resources to learn to build up your coping skills. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> this has just been really good because I don't know much about like mental health and mental health resources. So it's actually been a really great learning experience for me because I like it, it's not something that I know a lot about, but is really important, especially especially when you kind of look at how many of us are impacted in today's modern world with all of the pressure and all of the stress and all of the fast moving and, and how so much of our lives are public now um, with social media, you know, how many people are impacted by this. So I, I'm just really enjoying the learning experience here. Yeah. And Lynette, thanks for all those resources that you mentioned. I think, uh, I think that's going to be great and helpful uh, for a lot of people who are listening. I know this is, uh, like we've all been saying, this is a huge issue today. And I agree completely with Miranda on how living our lives in public has changed the way we think about ourselves and has put a lot of unnecessary pressure on, on us to be a certain way, or at least appear to be a certain way and, and hide some of these, uh, you know, the, these these more difficult things that we deal with because we don't want to seem like we're struggling in any way. And when we allow ourselves to be open about it, certainly opens up more possibilities for us to get the support that we need, especially for entrepreneurs who, you know, who every minute of their day is is important in terms of what they do and how they thrive. So I think this was a fantastic discussion. And uh, Lynette, can you let us know exactly how our listeners can find you online? You can reach me at lynettedavis.com. That's probably the best way to reach out on that site. It'll have links to my Twitter account. I'm always on Twitter. Twitter is where mostly I do mo most of my uh, mental health advocacy resources and, and posts with different things that people... Uh, entrepreneurs and business owners can utilize. And my Twitter handle is at Lynn, L-Y-N-N, -N, 
D Davis. Um, and yeah, feel free to tweet me, feel free to email me, feel free to reach out. You are not alone. You're not alone. Yeah. And real quick, can you tell us about um, the name of your book and when it's coming out? So the name of my book is, <laughs> it's kind of a long, a long one. So it's success to die for breaking down assumptions about anxiety, depression, and suicide and their impact on business women. And the book is set to publish in September of this year. September is actually Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, which is why I chose September. And I'm really excited. I'm really excited about it. It was a, a project of collaboration. Like I said, I reached out and I interviewed women from small mom and pop shops to CEOs of corporations <laughs> um, to startup founders in the Silicon Valley. So I, I'm really excited about putting this out here. And I explore more resources in that book than I was able to give in this interview. It's, it's chock full of resources for not only women, but men as well, even though <laughs> it's the title says women, but it, it's for women and men because mental health is a movement for everybody. All right. Fantastic. And we will have a link to the book uh, on our site, adulting.tv. Um, and, you know, just look for this episode. And if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer, any guests that you believe that we should have on our show, let us know at adulting.tv slash ask. And of course, visit us on Facebook, our adulting community, hashtag adulting, the group where you can uh, be free to ask any questions or participate in discussions, either about what you hear on adulting or anything going on in your own life. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, remember to act like a grown-up. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Thank you.